Welcome to the Mindful Salon Jedi podcast. This podcast delves deeper into the foundation of building your salon business through mindset mastery. Your salon growth starts with you. I'm your host, Caroline Sanderson, the Salon Jedi. I help salon owners just like you transform into salon Jedi masters of your own salon business. I help you work less on the tools to work smarter, not harder, so you can confidently lead your team, if you have one, into high performers for more profits and more freedom. Okay, so my guest today in the Mindful Salon Jedi podcast is none other than my very own mentor, John Asaraf, uh, New York Times bestselling author, uh, starred in nine movies. I might be wrong, there's probably more than that now, nine at the last count, I believe, including uh, The Secret, featured on shows like Larry King, Ellen DeGeneres Show, uh, CEO of Neurogym. Okay, so Neurogym which is empowering the world one mind at a time using scientifically proven methods, helping people to expand their emotional and mental power to reach their fullest potential. How's that? Did I describe it well, John? <laughs> Whoa, hitting home runs. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to Salon Jedi Academy. I love it. It's so great to be with you. And I can't tell you how proud I am of you other than to let you know I am just so proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great to have you here. So what I want to do is I um, we love a, a struggle to success story here in Salon Jedi. I want to take you back to your early entrepreneurial days or your early business days. Oh. Was it a struggle to begin with? Tell us a little bit of I would love to know your kind of journey and how you ended up getting into mindset. How did that all come about? And did you experience a struggle? first before the success came? Yeah, um, I was really, really fortunate. Um, when I was 19 years old, I was getting into a lot of trouble with the law. Uh, I was uh, uh, kicked out of high school many, many times. I failed English, failed math. The only thing I was good at was gymnasium, uh, mm -hmm. in, you know, in the gym. And um, in grade 11, I left high school and went to work in the shipping department, uh, hating what I did every single day. And um, my brother, who uh, is very, very close to me, uh, invited me to come and meet a friend of his who um, was very successful in real estate. And when I uh, took the train 350 miles or 500 kilometers to meet him for lunch, uh, this gentleman asked me, uh, what goals did I have? And I said, well, uh, I'd like to get a car, I'd like to move out of my parents' home, and I'd like to make you know, enough money to you know, have some fun. And he goes, yeah, that's great, but what bigger goals do you have? And um, I said, I don't have any bigger goals. So he actually asked me to sit down at the table next to where we were having lunch, and he gave me this document uh, that was a goal-setting guide. And there were probably about five pages with 20 questions, and the first question was, at what age do you want to retire? I was 19. I said, retire. I want to get a job. Forget about retire. Uh, the next question was, how much net worth do you want to have? And I remember looking at him and I, and I asked him, 
what does net worth mean? I had no idea what net worth was. And then I said, what kind of lifestyle do you want? What kind of car do you want? And how much money do you want to give to charity? And I really, Caroline, had no idea of any of these answers. Um, and so I asked him, I don't know what to answer. He says, just use your imagination. So I wrote down, I want to retire at age 45, 26 years later. I thought that was obviously a lifetime, you know. Um, <laughs> I want to have $3 million in net worth. I want to have a Mercedes. I want to have a nice house. I want to travel. I want to retire my parents. I want to have nice Italian clothes. I wrote down all of this stuff just out of my imagination. And he looked at this document of mine that I gave him 15 minutes later. He says, these are some pretty good goals and, and you know, good dreams that you have. I said, thank you. And he said, I'm going to ask you one question. And the answer to that question will determine whether you achieve these goals or not. And I, I remember thinking in the back of my head, yeah, right. <laughs> one question is going to determine whether I achieve these goals or not. And these goals were like, I might as well put a billion dollars. So he looks at me and he says, are you interested in achieving these goals or are you committed? Hmm. And I sat there and I thought, and I was like, Mr. Brown, what's the difference? And he goes, if you're interested, you'll come up with stories and reasons and excuses why you can't. If you're interested, you'll allow your current circumstances and your current beliefs and your current skills and your current knowledge to control your thinking and your behavior. He said, but if you're committed to achieving these things that you wrote down on the sheet of paper, then you'll do whatever it takes. If you're committed, you will upgrade your knowledge, you'll upgrade your skills, you'll let go of your limiting beliefs and you'll let go of your disempowering habits and you will become the person capable of achieving those goals. He says, because every one of those goals is achievable. But the question is, are you interested or are you committed? And so I said, um, I, 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 I'm committed. And then he reached out his hand. He says, in that case, I will be your mentor. And I looked at him. I said, that's great. Uh, what's a mentor? <laughs> oh, I was so ignorant. And he yeah. goes, a mentor is the coach. It's somebody that can show you what to do, what not to do because of their experience, because they've done it. They've made the mistakes. They've made the right decisions and the wrong decisions. And they can make your path easier. And so I said, wow, that, I mean, that's great. And that was the beginning of having somebody just show me what to do. Because I was willing to work. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know that I was smart enough. I didn't know that I was worthy enough. I didn't know I was good enough. I didn't know that I could learn the stuff. But he created a safe environment, environment for me to learn. And I remember, Caroline, the first thing he taught me was a morning ritual. And the morning ritual was to look at my goals, to read them, to read out the beliefs that I wrote that I would need to acquire to make those goals a reality. He would have me close my eyes and feel it as if it was real. Even though in the back of my head, I said to myself, like, you're not earning that amount of money. You're not smart enough to do that. You're not. He said, that would go away in time. Just keep doing it. And so he set me on a path of success. So initially it was really hard because I was learning so many new things that I had no idea. Uh, I was getting to real estate. Like what did I know about real estate? Nothing. Um, I needed to learn marketing and sales and, and, and scripts for what to say to people, what the objections were, how to handle people. I was 19 trying to get people to, to buy homes for me and to sell their homes for me. 
most of the people have kids older than me. So I had a lot that I had to overcome in self-image and self-esteem and self-worth. But every day I practiced for one hour. Okay. And it's how long, like, this is a question that some people have asked, actually, when we talk about this stuff and you're saying, you know, you started to put these rituals in place and started to change your mindset. How long does it take? Is there a standard time or does it depend? And an interesting point as well, you said you started this at 19. And we've had a lot of questions as well around, you know, do you start this with teens? How early can you start this? Does it make a difference if you start in later life? What, what would you say around those questions? The answer is yes. Um, well, the answer is yes to everything. So I always have my little plastic brain <laughs> with me so I can, so I can share with people. Um, if you think about, you know, it, it looks like, you know, this physical structure, but if you go in, you know, look at it through a microscope, what you're going to see is cells that make connections, almost like marbles that make connections. So when you develop new beliefs, those are these marbles making connections, brain cells making connections. So if we've developed certain beliefs about what's possible or not possible, uh, if we've uh, developed certain um, self-image concepts about ourselves, uh, if we have limiting beliefs or empowering beliefs, or if we have constructive habits or destructive habits, the first thing to think about is they are just patterns in the brain that were created. Simple to understand. So for adults, if we have a limiting belief about ourselves, about our knowledge, our skills, our worthiness, what we have to do is formulate a new pattern and reinforce that long enough to override the old pattern. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah. All of the research as of late is showing, showing that it takes between 66 days and 365 days to develop a new pattern that becomes part of the habitual self or our, our automatic self. So if you're thinking about you know, change, how long should it take to change? All of my students, okay, I get them to commit to at least 100 days. Why? Imagine you are really out of shape. You're 100 pounds or 100 kilos overweight, okay? And you want to get in better shape, physical shape. Well, imagine you're starting today with maybe five minutes of exercise, walking. If you did that every day for two weeks, you could probably add five more minutes to make it 10 for the next two weeks per day. Then you could probably get up to 30 or 40 or 50 minutes in the next 30 days, and then maybe 45 minutes the last 30 days. Well, in developing that new habit of exercising, of maybe watching what you eat, of releasing more calories than you're consuming, you are going to release weight. But as you release the weight, you also build your self-confidence. You build your self-esteem. You build your self-worth. You see the results, so you activate the motivational centers in your brain, which causes you to want to do more of it. So whenever we're looking at change, I always tell people, slow down so that later on you could pick up speed. So slow down to consistency for 100 days, and you're better off doing something for one minute for 100 days than an hour a day for 30. Yeah, to create that habit, is it? So you're just creating that habit, even if it's for a, a small a small so time. If you think about your beliefs are patterns, 
that if you create a new pattern and you reinforce it, it becomes the normal way of believing. If you manage your emotions for a hundred days by practicing a little bit of emotional management techniques or self-regulation techniques, you get better. So just like with exercise, you can get better. With inner size, you build your neuro muscles and you reinforce and strengthen those. John, why do you think, why is it that, so I'm thinking of salon owners here at the moment, um, they're trying to build their businesses and grow and develop, et cetera. Why do so many find it so difficult? So, you know, they feel, I'm so determined, I'm going to do this, that's it, I'm motivated, and then it just doesn't last and then they fall off track or they feel so low emotionally. That was one of the questions we had, that how do they, they break out of that when they just feel so low and so stuck why is it so difficult because a lot of salon owners are also hairdressers right and is that i assume that's what you call them you know and they're hairdressers with a specific skill of being a hairdresser now they want to be a salon owner which means in addition to having the skill of a hairdresser now i need to develop the skill of a business owner oh that's a whole different skill. So that's like saying, you know, because I'm a good ping pong player, you know, I should be able to own a soccer team. Mm. It's like, no, you have a specialty in this and you can do that really well. But now as soon as you're looking to, you know, start a business, now you need to consider uh, marketing, sales, management, uh, customer service, uh, finance. There's many, many more skills to being a salon owner than there is to be a hairdresser. So yeah. one, you know, one is uh, something that, you know, people do out of their passion and the other most people do because they want to excel financially. And now we're entering in a whole different domain. And when we don't have the knowledge or the skills, then we deactivate our motivational center because there's, there's doubt, there's uncertainty. And that's what actually causes salon owners or any other business owner to retreat into safety. So when we have a lack of knowledge or skills, we have uncertainty. And for a brain that wants predictability, what happens? It activates the fear center of what if I fail? What if I'm embarrassed or ashamed or ridiculed or judged because I can't build my, my practice? So in the absence of what to do, in the absence of having the motivation to get through the learning curve so I can get a baseline of new processes and systems, most people don't know how to manage that part of themselves. So when we have the fear center activated, I call it, you know, I have this, uh, you know, usually it's the, the Frankenstein brain is activated. It's the what if scenario. You know, what if I do my best and I fail? Uh, what if the money that I borrowed to start my salon, you know, I can't pay back? What if I can't build the business and, you know, run, you know, my life because I'm so busy with all the other things? So whenever we have all of these what if and our brain fills in negative frames or statements, yeah. then we lose motivation as a protective mechanism. So part of growing your salon business is not just learning the skills of how to do that, but how do I manage my emotions and mindset while I'm transitioning from one level to the next, to the next, to the next. And also, so so it's upgrading uh, upgrade your mindset, upgrading your skill set as well. And then 
what about also do we take on too much and we're wearing these hats of you know like you say we're we're being the person behind the chair we're being the front of house we're being the bookkeeper we're trying to do everything what advice would you have with that i mean i know that you often say about you should you can trade your skills or you outsource could you give us a little bit of advice around that if we can't do it all ourselves yeah there's um you you've got to develop a plan for how you're gonna get the things that are critical done or really urgent done and not focus on the trivial many things. So you'd mentioned you know, the different hats we have. Yeah, we have the hat as the salon owner. We have the hat as the mom or the dad. We have the hat you know, as the, the person who needs to get more clients in, in, into the salon, the person who needs to manage the other you know, uh, employees you know, or uh, members of our team. And so we have to ask ourselves, how am I going to get everything done that I can get done? That's part one. And then how can I get help to getting the other things done? And when we think about getting help, a lot of people think, well, I can't get help because I can't afford it. And my question is going to be turned around a little bit by saying, how can I afford it because I must do it? So can I barter with somebody? Can I trade with somebody? Can I defer payment to somebody? Can I partner with somebody who could do some of those things? So we have to get resourceful in the absence of resources mm -hmm. or we have to get some kind of um, a, a business loan possibly to be able to grow and to hire the people that we need in order to be able to generate the revenues that will more than pay for the loans and the growth of my business. And most business owners, forget about just salon owners, they don't think – you know, long-term, like a year or two or three. And you really have to start thinking about if I could build my business in a systematic, organized, methodical way, the business has value. So if I need to borrow 25,000 uh, euros or pounds or 50,000 to build it, and in a year or two or three, it's worth $500,000, isn't that a good investment in yourself and in the growth of your business? So you've got to get resourceful in the absence of resources as well. Okay, let me take you back again, back to your story. So you've started on the mindset stuff and you've gone into the property world. Uh, tell us about um, how, the success that you had there. And also in particular, the, the story that I love is how when you started to work on the mindset of everyone at the Remax team, tell us about that because the results were phenomenal. Yeah. So um, in 1992, um, we were stuck. And we were stuck at a really good place. We were stuck at a billion dollars in, in sales. And um, I was wondering, how could we be stuck when there's so much room for growth? And I was training my sales teams all, all across the state and we were teaching them all of the techniques to get more homes for sale, to help more people buy homes. And it dawned on me that people wouldn't make more money than they were conditioned to make. So we don't earn what we're capable of earning. We earn what we are conditioned to earn. So if you think about whether you earn 30000 or 50000 or 100000 or 500000 we all develop this glass ceiling, this financial glass ceiling, and then our brain's mechanism keeps us right in that range within a little, a few percentages up or down. And so 
I asked a bunch of my real estate agents, how many of them would like to do a six month training, not on upgrading their skills as real estate agents or hair salon owners, but upgrading their mindset so that they would increase the capacity for earning. And we had 75 people pay $3,000 each back in 1990, right in that time frame. And for six months, all we worked on was the inner game, their beliefs, their imagination, their habit, their perspectives, their paradigms, their self-image, their self-esteem, emotional regulation. And within six months, those 75 people increased sales by an extra $100 million. Wow. And then we start to teach the same material to the rest of our salespeople. And we went from 1.2 billion a year to 4.5 billion a year. Why? So just a few years. So, so it really is proof then, like what this kind of podcast is about is really your mind does affect your business results. Of course it does. Uh, listen, every one of us knows of people who we think we're smarter than, but they're doing better. And the question is why? Is it because we don't have the skill? Maybe, but we can easily learn the skills. The question is why do people with skills not apply what they know? And that's because something in their brain is limiting them. And it's either going to be their lack of knowledge and skill. We'll say that's one thing. Their limiting beliefs their self-image or fear. Those are the only four categories that we could work on in order to identify and remove the obstacles in our way. So if somebody's committed, the great news is we know how to help them now better than in the history of our species. And so if you're committed to doubling or tripling or quintupling your income, how to already exists and you have to increase the capacity within your own mind to see yourself there. And that's where the inner game comes in. That's where mindset comes in. So here I have here, your ah. inner size, um, which I, I am fortunate enough that I feature uh, as a success story in your book, Inner Size. Now, my chapter in this book is about using a dream book. I know that you use a vision board. I use a dream book to kind of, yes. <laughs> oh, is it hands reach? I have it all. I have it all here. Yeah. And, so and everything else, yeah. How does this, writing this down, and like you say, you've got your exceptional life group in, your vision board, the dream book, whatever it is. Yeah. What is the, what's actually happening in the brain when you are focusing on this goals and dreams that you want? And also, I have a question from somebody that has asked, their teenage son dreams big, 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 big dreams. Should they be um, pulling them back a little bit or should they be encouraging them? You know, this whole dream thing, they're a bit confused. Should they be saying, pulling them back and rein in on just one thing or just letting them dream big? That's from Emma in the group. So, so I'll answer the first question first. So um, we know that our brain is processing a lot of information every day. Uh, from the past, from the present, you know, forecasting, imagining the future, good stuff, challenging stuff, crazy stuff, bizarre stuff. So when we take our dream board and we say, this is the lifestyle I want. This is the charity that I want to help. Uh, this is the business I want to build. This is the uh, health and wealth relationship with career and business that 
I want to trade my life for. The first thing that we're doing is we're actually activating um, our um, uh, executive functioning part of our brain. We're activating the imagination part of our brain. We're activating the motivational circuits of our brain. We're activating all of the things that are required to light the brain up to help us figure out how to achieve it. So when we give our brain the clarity of what we want and we keep looking at it, and in addition to the dream board, we say, okay, what do I need to learn? Whose help can I get to achieve this? When do I want to achieve this by? So when we start looking at the what, why, when, how, all of the pieces start to come together because for every dream that we have, there's a process for achieving it. So imagine Elon Musk or Richard Branson or Oprah Winfrey or any other successful person's child, okay, dreaming big. Do you think they're going to say, don't dream so big? Never, never in a million years. They yeah. would say, okay, uh, I love that you're dreaming big now. What do you need to believe in order to make that dream a reality? What do you think you could do today to move you one step closer to that dream? What could you read? Who could you watch? Um, who could you ask help from? So, and here's something I want to ask every person who's watching now or will later. Is it true that unless you're trying to colonize Mars right now, all the how-to for your goals and dreams, we already know. Yeah. So if the how-to already exists, exists yeah. why not you? Why not now? Why not your children? Why be the spoiler of dreams just because you may not know how to? Why not say, what do I want to trade my life for? And then let me ask the questions. What do you need to learn? What do you need to believe? What do you need to do? How do you develop this into a habit so that you consistently take action? How do you regulate your emotions so that when you fail, you get back up? When things don't go your way, you don't lose focus, you figure out how to move forward. When you don't know what to do, you ask for help. All the how-tos here. Good, okay, so I'm going to share some questions, quick fire questions from the group, if that's okay. Uh, let's have a look. So we were talking about inner sizing and of course the book Inner Size, which you can uh, get on Amazon. Now this question is from Lisa. Is it normal when inner sizing to consistently see lots of opportunities and then want to keep doing them all? Like, yeah. Um, too much or? Yeah, so, so Lisa, uh, we all have about 50,000 thoughts a day that are percolating from our subconscious mind like effervescent bubbles, you know, from a soda. And so it's normal to have a lot of thoughts and ideas. However, what you want to do is take those thoughts and ideas, write them down, and then say, okay, which of these ideas are worthy of me investing time and energy, money, resources to? So out of the many ideas, you have to narrow it down to what I call are the critical few versus 
the trivial many. So totally normal. I have, I have pads of paper with stuff that pops into my head, you know, and I go, oh, that's a really good idea. I'm going to act on that one. Okay. Uh, also, do you ever suffer with not being able to snap out of it if you're feeling low? Are you always able to pull yourself up? This is by Louise. Basically, John, do you have shit days like the rest oh, of us? <laughs> yeah, I have shit days. What I've discovered about me is my shit days usually come when I'm burnt out, when I've gone for weeks without stop, you know, 10 hours a day. I'm hyper creative and hyper focused on achieving my goals and loving my life and having fun and being balanced. And sometimes, like three, uh, like six weeks ago or so, I was just exhausted. I was working for five months straight every single day. And I found the little stuff almost impossible to do. And the hard mm -hmm. stuff, couldn't even look at it. I would be reading the same, the same document 20 times and I couldn't get myself to actually take action. So you know what I did? I went on a three-week vacation. And I just unplugged and said, I have to recharge. Mm -hmm. And so every day... You know, we're born, or not born, where we wake up with a certain number of attention units. And if we keep depleting the attention units every day, every day, every day, every day, we run out of energy from the perspective of wanting to do stuff. So we get into this stuck state that's like we're in sludge. Everything's, oh. And so we have to actually step back, recalibrate, and then get back to it. So, yeah, I do have stuck days and... Uh, very, very normal. Yeah, that was definitely, that one was definitely for me as well. <laughs> okay, uh, let's see if we've got time for one more. So we have Carla. What is the number one top tip I can give my teenage children who are watching here tonight as well uh, to help them with inner sizing? So um, I love inner size one, two, and three for children. And uh, I've been, uh, my kids have been doing it for years. So inner size number one is, Gives, a, gives you the ability to recognize that, you know, I have two parts to my nervous system, right? My sympathetic, which is my stress response, and then my parasympathetic, which is my calm response or stress reaction, calm response. And so breathing in through your nose six times and out through your mouth like you're breathing out through a straw, that just recalibrates the relaxation or or, or um, uh, re um, responding uh, parasympathetic system. Uh, then AYA, which is awareness, intention, action, is becoming aware of your thoughts, emotions, feelings, sensations, and behaviors. And every 55 minutes on my cell phone, I have a little alarm that goes off that can allow me to do inner size one and inner size two, where I'm thinking about what are my thoughts, emotions, feelings, sensations, and behaviors without judgment, blame, shame, guilt, or justification. Without judgment, blame, shame, guilt, or justification. And then set an intention for the next hour. And then what's one action you can take to move towards that? So that's inner size number two. But the one that I probably love the most for teenagers, but even adults is phenomenal, is um, Actors Studio, the flip-flop inner size. And so if it's true that we have emotions that were not emotions, is it possible that with emotional regulation skills, we can choose what emotion to have? 
Now, let me prove something to you, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Let's say a Hollywood actor or actress uh, or whatever producer came up to you and tapped you on the shoulder and said, hey, I'll give you $100,000 um, uh, US dollars uh, if you could pretend that you're sad right now. <laughs> you started to cry. <laughs> And then they said, okay, now you've got to be angry. You said, I can't freaking believe that you did that, you crazy, stupid son of a bitch. And then they said, now we have you. <laughs> oh, my God. That is incredible, Carolina. We were able to go from happy and sad and angry to confused to what, 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 what? So in less than 30 seconds, I went for four different emotions on demand. That means if I happen to be stressed, can I deactivate that and go to a place of calmness? Yes. If I happen to be angry, can I choose to get off of anger and into reflection? Yes. If I happen to be sad, can I choose to think of a happy thought and go to a happy place and change my emotional state? The answer is yes, 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 and yes, which means that you are more in control than you think you can be, but if you don't manage your emotions and you allow the external world to control you, you're a victim of circumstances and the world. Stop being a victim is what I would teach them. What a fantastic way to end this podcast, John. Uh, how can people reach out to you? What have you got on the go at the moment? Obviously, I'll share some links in the podcast to your book, et cetera. But what else do you kind of how else can they reach out to you? Sure. So I'm on uh, on Facebook on my fan page. Uh, people can go to myneurogym.com and take a look at what we've got there. We've got our annual brainathon, which you were on. Uh, people can sign up for our, uh, you know, our uh, eight-hour training so that they can get better control of their brain and win the game of money. Uh, I'm on Instagram and uh, and then obviously on YouTube for my uh, videos on there. Okay, John, thank you so much. On behalf of everybody here at Sal and Jedi, everybody that's listening to the podcast, thank you so much. Uh, love having you here. Fantastic. A big honor for me having you here as my mentor. Well, it's my joy to be here with you. And uh, I, like I said earlier when we started, uh, I couldn't be more proud um, than uh, how I feel about you and where you came from and how you've been so diligent in upgrading your knowledge, your skills, your your self-image, your self-worth, your beliefs. And, and you, you know, I've just seen you blossom like a beautiful flower. And now you're sharing with others. And that, to me, my goal to help a billion people um, positively impact their lives. And it's not just me. It's through, you know, helping you yeah. and other people. So thanks for helping me on the journey. I'm definitely sharing your knowledge, that's for sure. <laughs> okay, John, thank you so much. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Thank you. Bye, Bye everyone. Care.